You'd remain standing. Our scripture reading comes this morning from the book of Proverbs, chapter 14, verse 12. There is a way that seems right to a man and leads to death. The word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. If I can invite you to be seated, please. Before I begin with this morning's message, um, I got a text message from Mindy that uh, I forgot we have two of our parents in surgery tomorrow. Uh, her dad, Scott, is having an angioplasty, an angioplasty in Almogordo, and my mom's having knee replacement tomorrow in El Paso, so uh, there's going to be a lot going on. And we're staying here for both of them, unless we have to, but uh, if you'd join me in praying for them today, uh, we'd appreciate it. It's good to be here with you all this morning as uh, we're continuing our sermon series for the fall. Well, not for the fall, just at the beginning of school, kind of in this transition time as we prepare for the fall, where we're looking at uh, just different board games to give us an insight or to get us thinking about the Scripture in a different way, in a way that can apply to our lives, and in a way that you and I can think about what that means for us as followers of Jesus. Uh, I believe we can study God's Word, and we can use God's Word, and we can also do so by using other resources that get us thinking uh, differently about the passage, or that help us to, to just think about it a little more critically as we compare it to something maybe that's a little more tactile that's right in front of us that we're able to do. And so for the past few weeks, we've been using board games to uh, talk about some of the scripture that we've been looking at. We've looked at games like Operation and Connect Four and Life and Chess. And as we've looked at each of these games, we've also looked to God's Word to see how it speaks to us and how it speaks into our life of faith together. And we've also seen how Jesus taught and how Jesus showed us that we are to tend to our spiritual lives before focusing on the lives of others. Um, We've seen how godly wisdom is something that we are to draw on. And as we uh, draw on our own personal experience and our own knowledge and our own uh, everything else that we have that we bring to decisions and things that we do. But we've also seen how important it is for us to draw into God's wisdom to make those decisions. Last week, we talked about uh, Connect Four and the power of connection. And I was reminded as I thought about the game and then later about the scripture that we read last week, how important it is for us to be connected. Philip, the, the disciple, saw that one of the first things he was to do when he discovered who Jesus was, when Jesus introduced himself to him, if you'll remember with me, it was the Gospel of John, the first thing that Philip does is he goes to Nathaniel and says, you have to see what we've discovered. You have to see who we've discovered. You have to see who I've met. Because he knew who Jesus was, and he said, we have found the one that Moses spoke about and all the prophets have talked about, Jesus, the Son of God. Of course, Nathaniel said, you know, who, what good can come out of Nazareth? And that's not the point. What the point is, is that Philip said, and Philip saw the importance of what it means for us to be people of faith as we connect others to Jesus Christ and as we connect to others in the Christian community as part of, Uh, of the body of Christ because there are things we receive from being with each other whether that's worship and service it's studying it's learning it's everything else before I begin this morning with um, today's game in scripture I just want to remind you because we haven't done this in a long time is just uh, to remind you that if you go to the church Facebook page First Methodist Church of Clovis um, all of the worship services are archived, so you can go back if you've ever missed a Sunday. Uh, also, the church website has that resource. There's a link, and it takes you to Vimeo, which is where our website actually hosts, or our videos are actually hosted. And then also, we do a podcast of the sermons every Monday. 
So if you ever follow, uh, miss and you just want to hear the sermon, we do upload it as a podcast. Uh, I'm the one that does, does that. And so I usually, I promise I'll have it up by Monday afternoon, unless my Monday totally blows up. And then I'm just going to apologize now. Uh, but they're all there as well. And so today I want to get us thinking about a game that um, I think most of us have played. It's the game Candyland. And I'll be honest, as you learn about this game, I think the history of the game is pretty inspiring. And it's uh, something that I didn't know about when I went to, to research it and to just see you know, what, what its history was and a little bit about its origin. Uh, in the 1940s, a victim of polio named Eleanor Abbott sought to invent some games and activities for children who were uh, recuperating from polio. And so she invented a number of games, and the most popular one that she invented was Candyland. And so according to the lore around Candyland, and uh, she sent her game to the game creator Milton Bradley, and Milton Bradley purchased the game from her and produced their first version in 1949, and the game has been in production ever since. For those of you who haven't played Candyland in a while, which that would be me, well, I guess we played it with the youth in Sunday school eight months ago, or not eight months, maybe eight or nine weeks ago, something like that. Um, you know, you travel around a board that, that has candy all over it and, and brightly colored squares. The trail is this rainbow-covered trail made up of colored squares. And you go past places like a peppermint forest and a gumball mountain and all these other obstacles and places named after different sweets. And rather than having dice or a spinner, Candyland, you draw cards. And so, you know, if you pick up the card and it has one red square, you go to the next red square. If it has two yellow squares, you go to the second yellow square down the trail. And so you move wherever this card is that you've picked up tells you to move. And so the winner is the person who gets to the end to reach his candy castle for the first. Uh, first. And as I think about this game, I'm going to be honest with you, I think this is probably the easiest game that we've talked about in this series, and it's probably the easiest game that we're going to think about as part of this, this series. Because in Candyland, um, there's really not a lot of strategy, is there? In fact, this, is, oh, this isn't in the sermon, I'm sorry, America, but oh, so youth, um, we've, we were working on this in the spring, and over the summer we played games and, and talked about it and, and got, went further in it than we did in the sermon. And um, I'm going to be honest with you, when we played Candyland, our, our kids that are strategists, I don't think had a fun time at all. Like, well, Katie, um, Robert Albin, uh, some of the others, you know, you could tell. Natalie, where are you? Did you like Candyland? So-so? Okay. All right. Um, but, you know, for some, it's just an easy game to play because you draw the card, you go on, and you're fine. But if you're someone who likes to employ, um, you know, strategy or your employing some forethought into thinking about where your next play is to be and, and what your opponent is going to be doing. Uh, if you're, you're wanting some opportunity to, I don't know, draw a card and make your, your opponent move back five squares, uh, Candyland's not for you. And of course, most of us, I think, can think about Candyland and laugh about it because we remember playing with our own children or grandchildren. Because the appeal of this game is it puts us in a magical land where there are unlimited sweets and candy. It's like a real life, you know, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. And we know in real life that it's just not true. It's something we can't do. We know in, in real life that, you know, an unlimited trip to somewhere like this might end us up with a trip to the hospital or an upset stomach. But I also know that this game can get us thinking about choices. 
And it can get us thinking about both the Scripture and our Christian walk. Because I think what we can do is, as we look at this game and think about this game, uh, we can look at our own lives and the world that we live in, and we can compare it to something on the Candyland board. Because basically there are a lot of choices in life that you and I can do, that you and I participate in, that you and I make on a daily basis. And some of those choices can help us grow as a person or as a follower of Jesus. And some of the choices, in essence, can widen the gap, can't they, between us and Jesus because they set us apart on our walk. They set us apart from God. They set us apart from where we want to be and where we know that God wants us to be. And so I think that's where the Proverbs verse that we read from today, Proverbs 14, 12, comes into effect. Because it gets us thinking about, as Christians, we know that our choices can lead us to ways that lead to life, or they can lead us to death. And, and all that happens, and it doesn't matter what we think about it. I mean, I think the only thing that matters as we think about it is what God thinks about the temptation that we face, and the decisions that we make accordingly. So to compare it to Candyland, I might uh, like or think that, that all the candy that I want to eat is good, and it isn't bad, and I eat it in the short term, and I enjoy its taste and everything else about it, and I look like I've eaten all the candy in the world, but if I eat too much of it, even if I think it's good, even if I you know, uh, find myself enjoying it i can still find myself feeling pretty uncomfortable can't i who can eat as much candy as they want <laughs> good addison okay but i think if we think about the scripture it's kind of the same way isn't it is that we're faced with a series of choices every day in our lives long term and short term and if we constantly indulge in and we constantly go on the side of those things that don't lead us to life, then we find ourselves separated from God and we find ourselves separated from each other and we find ourselves separated from the community of faith. Because that's what sin does, doesn't it? It separates us from God. It keeps us from, from being on the path, like in the game board, that leads us to life. And the choices that we make, we may think they're a short-term choice that, that, you know, is not going to cause lasting effect. But I don't know about you, but often a short-term choice can lead to long-term effects. I mean, don't they say if you're going to start a new habit or if you're going to um, start exercising or going to the gym or something like that, I think, is it the magic number 21? Or is it 24 times? 21 or 24 times you have to do in a row in order for it to become being a habit. That is something that you have to fight to go and do after that. So basically, if you're looking at starting to exercise, you're looking at starting going to the gym, but they say is if you, don't, if you aren't able to do it 24 times in a row, you haven't built that habit in your life yet. Isn't that the same thing with prayer? Isn't that the same thing with reading the scripture? If we're not willing to do that and engage in that in a daily matter, then we're not making it a habit. We're not making it a part of who we are. And see, the cool thing is I think for most of us, if you've been reading the scripture or if you're doing whatever you're doing, my guess is it's already a part of who you are and so you just do it and when you don't do it, you see uh, an absence or you feel the absence of not having done it and so you go do it. But see, those would be short-term 
choices, right? Whether or not I read the Bible today, whether or not I go walking today, whether or not I do whatever it is I'm doing. But these short-term choices, when, when lined up, have long-term or lasting effects, right? And in both cases, if our short-term choices are choices that lead us away from God, then they lead us away from God. Our short choices can can stack up and become long-term choices that that lead us even further away from God. Because it's like this, this picture, right? Horses, what do you do when you put blinders on a horse? You put blinders on a horse so that they'll focus. I think there's two things we can take from that, right? Is, is if I'm trying to live a life of faith and if I'm trying to be, to be focused on Christ, then, then I need to be focused on the, just Christ and, and I know, don't need to be open to the distractions that are around me. But I think the opposite of that is sometimes sin becomes the blinder for you. And it's a choice that we make that causes us to look away from God, that causes us to look away from other things. And so what does it do? It keeps us focused on our needs, on our desires, on our wants, the things that we think are most important for us, the things that that matter only to us. And it keeps us from, from looking at other people or thinking of their consideration or of their feelings or of what their needs or anything else. Or it even keeps us from looking to God himself. So we put blinders on, don't we? And then we find ourselves apart from God, having wandered away, having wondered what happened. And the glory of that is that God always allows us to come back, right? I find it interesting as we read this morning's scripture, we're reading from Proverbs. And we're reading these words from Solomon. Solomon, you know, as a man who is remembered for his wisdom, Solomon did not always make the right choices. Solomon sometimes made choices that I think we could compare to as short-term choices that he saw would be to his benefit, but were sinful that led to long-term results. And so in Proverbs 14, 12, he writes, There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. There is a way that appears to be right, But in the end, it leads to death. Think about Solomon. As he got older, you can go and read in um, 1 Kings. Yeah, 1 Kings. As he got older and as he became more established and as his wisdom became uh, recognized from farther and farther away and as people came to visit him, he began to make choices that weren't necessarily wise. For him, you know, his problem was not worship in the temple because he worshiped God in the temple. He offered sacrifice. But Solomon's problem is he took wives from their lands. And in taking those wives, he allowed them to bring in their, his, their foreign gods. He allowed them to build altars for their foreign gods. And he allowed their worship to be happen in the land of Israel. And he knew that these things would become obstacles in the long term for the people of Israel. He knew that they would become obstacles for uh, the people of Israel worshiping God and gathering together and doing and participating in, in the, light, the temple life as they had been instructed to do. But see, friends, he made short-term choices, didn't he? And he didn't take into effect the long-term effect of what would happen. He didn't consider the long-term consequences. There are ways that appear to be right that lead to death. And so for Solomon, what happened? After his death, the nation of Israel experienced turmoil that came from him not following God fully. 
I mean, I think I can look at Solomon's example and it makes me think that, you know, we can have the greatest knowledge and we can still sin. We can have an immeasurable amount of wisdom and we can still sin. Becoming a follower of Jesus doesn't make you resistant to sin. Becoming a follower of Jesus makes you dependent on God's grace and humble enough to recognize that you need it and willing to receive His forgiveness. Being a follower of Jesus means that uh, the grace of God and the forgiveness of sin has power and has potential to upend your life. Do you hear that? The grace of God has the power and the potential to upend your life. What a blessing. And friends, if you think about it, the evil one wants nothing more than to derail a Christian's walk and cause them to no longer walk faithfully. I mean, that's a challenge that we face each and every day. It's a challenge that we face when, when uh, we decide what we're going to do and when we decide how we're going to practice our faith and when we decide everything else that we do. And the only way we can resist sin is by humbling ourselves and submitting ourselves in an even greater way to God. Because being a follower of Jesus means that knowing without, with, without Him, without the grace of God, We don't have the power and potential to do it on our own. And so we have to give God the choice to lead us when it comes to sin, when it lead, to lead us when it comes to making decisions. In Romans 5, verse 8, Paul writes about this. This is something that Paul wrestled with. If you go and read, you know, Romans especially, but all of his letters, he said, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Paul says it best, doesn't he? It's without God's grace. We're just sinners. But with God's grace, we're forgiven. If you'll look in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7, verses 24 through 29, um, Jesus uh, was, was using this parable, and he says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears the words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus finished these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as the teachers of the law. Friends, the Bible is consistent in the Old and New Testament by showing us that if we live by God's word and if we closely follow his plan and his path for our lives, we'll be with him. I'm not saying that, you know, life is perfect because it isn't, because we make mistakes, because we're human. But if we live by God's word, we make choices that put us on the foundation who is God, like the man who built his house on the rock. And we will have placed ourselves in the best position to learn and to grow in our faith and to grow in our ability to recognize the grace of God in our lives. I appreciate that Jesus also told the crowds of what happens to those who don't follow the word of God. 
Basically, he says you can't build on sand, sand that's ever shifting, that's unstable, that, that cannot make a good foundation. He says their lives lead to ruin. And then they wonder why everything comes crashing down. Every day we're faced with temptation. Every day we're faced with choices. Every day we have the opportunity to add another little bit of God's Word into the foundation of our lives. Whether that's study, whether that's reading, whether that's listening to devotionals, and also being in prayer. That's how we will make the choices that will last. The choices that Proverbs 14, 12 said will lead to life because we build it on Christ Jesus. To end this morning, I want to end by offering a couple of things that I found ho- uh, helpful recently in my Christian walk. Mainly one, there's a devotional that I've been using for the last couple of years. It comes as a daily email. In the email, you can either read the devotional on its own, or you can listen to the audio link that's provided. Um, well, hold on, I'll go in a minute. Okay, the past summer, the devotional went through almost all of the book of Romans, and they just started the book of Acts. And so each day there's prayer, there's scripture. It's a brief message that's solidly Wesleyan, it's solidly, you know, Methodist. And what it does is it places us on the foundation of Christ. And it puts us where we're intentionally putting bricks into place that strengthen our faith and that increase our reliance on Jesus. We have to do the work to be people who grow in our faith. We have to do the work and position ourselves to be people to where our choices help us to go closer with God. Because the wise man, the wise woman, the wise, we make decisions that help us grow in our faith and that help us to grow in our reliance on Christ Jesus. Amen.